Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Solutions Watch. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. It is May of 2023, and I'm going to assume that if you are tuned into Solutions Watch, it is because you are looking for a better way, a better way to find health, a better way to f live in harmony with your environment and with nature, a better way to find community with other people, a better way forward with technology and all of the problems that we are facing. And if you are looking for a better way, boy, do I have a conference for you. It is conveniently titled A Better Way Conference, and it will be taking place in Bath in the UK from the 1st to the 4th of June 2023. And you can find out all the details about that conference, including the great roster of people who will be speaking there, including, let me check my notes. Oh, that's right, me. Yes, I will be one of the speakers at the Better Way Conference. So I hope, if for no other reason, you might be interested in it for that. But many, many other speakers that I think will be of interest to regular corporate reporters in the crowd. Uh, once again, that is at uh, uh, betterwayconference.org. And don't worry if that's a mouthful. Obviously, it will be linked up in the show notes. So in order to talk about this conference, what it involves and what you can expect there, today we're going to be talking to, well, one of the people responsible for this conference, uh, Dr. Tess Laurie, who, as some people might know, uh, is a medical doctor and a research consultant based in the UK. She is the CEO of Evidence-Based uh, Medicine Consultancy, and she sits on the steering committee of the World Council for Health at worldcouncilforhealth.org. She is at drtesslaurie.substack.com, and I'm sure she'll probably be familiar to a lot of my audience, but if not, let's bring her on and introduce her. Dr. Laurie, thank you very much for your time today. Well, thanks very much for inviting me, James. It's a real pleasure to be here and speaking with you, and I've been aware of your work for the past three years, and you've always been ahead of the curve, so it's a, it's a real pleasure to be on your show today. It's one of those things where I very much wish I was wrong. Um, unfortunately, in this particular uh, instance, it did not turn out that way. So let's let's talk about that. Obviously, the reason that we are here talking is about the Better Way Conference, but why do we need a better way? Well, it's clearly because the path that we are heading down is not one that a lot of people want to be on right now. And as you know, my, my audience will be very, very aware of that agenda, um, the biosurveillance agenda and everything else along with it that is coming hurtling towards us down the tracks. So this is a story that uh, lots of people have different inroads to, and a lot of people have really just started to fall down the rabbit hole, as it were, in the past few years and discovered that the world is not what they thought. So I'd be interested to hear your own journey, because what I understand, you have worked worked not maybe not in but with the belly of the beast aka the world health organization let's talk about your experience of coming to an understanding of where we are in the world right now and what's really happening yeah well um i would say that my sort of realization that things didn't work was in 2017 uh when i was i mean i've always worked really hard but certainly the, the you know I, I, I was on this treadmill of um, producing documents, doing this um, guideline methodology. It's called uh, guideline development, clinical practice guideline development, and with the World Health Organization and other organizations. So I was always an external consultant to the WHO, but I had a sort of uh, on, I had ongoing contracts from around 2012. Um, and um, it just felt like we weren't making any difference. Uh, certainly work-wise, we weren't making any difference, and I could see that the world didn't work outside of work either because, um, you know, two-parent family both working like crazy or, or, you know, really just 
on a treadmill, not having any uh, influence really over one's children. Um, I was traveling a lot for work and I just, I was really questioning the meaning of life and just thinking this can't be it. Nothing works. It just gets harder and harder the more you, the faster you run. And, um, and so um, I was in, I would say 2019, um, 2020, really reconsidering my role, my working role as well. And uh, and then when when the so-called pandemic uh, was launched, um, I, I knew that it didn't make sense in any way and that there must be something else going on. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew that there wasn't the evidence to support the WHO strategies, which then became sort of global strategies. There wasn't the evidence to support a call for a pandemic. There wasn't the evidence to support these so-called vaccines which are not you know which as you know are genetic injections and um and but i didn't know what i could do to help you know i i i um i felt like many people powerless to help you know how does one one's just an ordinary person and there's you know so so much going on uh that's evidenced and, and so much that one doesn't know and so um i uh, i started outsourcing some of my work so that I could take a sabbatical. I wanted to look particularly into 5G because I didn't, you know, I was aware that it was a technology that hadn't been well researched um, and there were questions about safety. And it was while I was doing that that a review, um, well, in actual fact, I saw Dr. Pierre Corey speaking about ivermectin in front of the state senate in the U.S., and I thought this is absolutely ridiculous um, that a doctor of his caliber should be having to beg politicians to use a safe old medicine. And I, and I thought, well, I can I can do this. This is my scope of uh, my area of expertise. Let me do a systematic review and just see what what the evidence on this is. And it was clear that ivermectin was, you know, there was absolutely no reason why it should be withheld and why it was being called unsafe. It should have been um, been used immediately. And uh, and then, uh, of course, I was monitoring to see, I was monitoring the adverse event uh, database, the World Health Organization's Vigi Access database, to see the emerging evidence on the COVID-19 injections. And, uh, you know, at the time in, in January 2021, when they were saying there isn't enough evidence on ivermectin, and ivermectin had been used billions of times, and it had about... 5,000 adverse event reports on their database. Um, at that time, there were already 80,000 or so, you know, um, uh, reports of vaccine harms, COVID vaccine harms. And so, um, but, I, but I knew that nobody would listen to me if I started, you know, uh, shouting about that. But I, I certainly could sh shout about ivermectin. And so I established an organization, an initiative called the British Ivermectin Recommendation Development Group, and I prepared an evidence to decision framework and followed the WHO process independently with, I called a meeting, a guideline development meeting, and I held a process whereby I had Pierre Corey and a whole lot of other experts. I think we had about 15 countries represented uh, uh, and um, we reached the conclusion that ivermectin worked and should be used. Uh, and we sent this recommendation and the documents and the evidence to the FDA and the CI and the NIH and the UK authorities, the World Health Organization, and so on. 
And at that stage, I kind of knew full well they were just going to ignore it because I had evidence of corruption, um, uh, which you may or may not be aware. But um, I recorded a, a, a meeting that I had with Dr. Andrew Hill, um, and he was a WHO consultant hired by UNITAID, which is a Gates-funded uh, organization, and um, and where he said that um, he uh, had not been uh, he, he, his his conclusions had been influenced by by the sponsor, the unnamed uh, sponsor, and so um, so I, I sort of knew what we were up against, and we held a, our first conference. It was called the Ivermectin International Ivermectin for COVID Conference, and that was in April um, 2021. And in the closing speech I gave at that conference, I said, you know, we actually need a people's organization that's free of conflicts of interest. And uh, I didn't really, really realize at the time that this was even possible, you know. And it, it just seemed um, such a big thing to try and conceive. And then, um, well, I started writing reports on the on the vaccine harms, uh, the evidence that we were just seeing on the databases, and that was ignored, you know, sent to, to various quarters. And so, and uh, colleagues from around the world started saying, well, when are we going to make this organization? And uh, and so we did. We started very small in the September of 2021. And we, uh, in December, we'd already released uh, cease and our first campaign, which was to cease and desist the COVID-19 vaccinations. Uh, and uh, I believe that we were the first organization to really call for that. There were so many that we were still afraid to say anything about the, the COVID vaccines. It was really, really peculiar. And uh, and then um, in, in May last year, we held the Better Way Conference because we realized that in actual fact, people were so fearful um, to to get through to get through, and in actual fact, just to survive and thrive, uh, we we are going to need solutions. And so we held the. Um, and in the meantime, just to say that I I ceased the work with the WHO, and uh, and have been really full time uh, committed to this cause now. And uh, and uh, the World Council of Health is an initiative of a community interest company, which is a non profit style company based in the UK that we formed in March um, 2021 for this whole exercise. We didn't know where it was going to lead us, but, um, you know, that's, that's, um, that's uh, how, how we are run. And we're, we're, we're funded by donations, and that's it. We have no big corporate sponsors or anything. So the Better Way Conference 2022 actually served two purposes. Um, it was a success, and so it actually funded us for three months, um, which was amazing, and we're hoping that this year we'll do the same. And um, But also, it was the most amazing opportunity for people to really come together, because um, at that point, people had been locked down, they'd been traumatized, and uh, and um, had, had lost loved ones. Um, and to come together in person. It was really the first in-person conference, I can say, internationally, um, that was really looking at solutions. And um, and we had, uh, we, we basically just asked seven questions and, and the way we designed it made it really um, interesting and interactive because um, we had seven panels and the first panel was, you know, how do we reclaim science? We had, uh, we had another panel on how do we solve the problem of, uh, 
of captured media and, and restore journalistic integrity. We looked at what are the environmental issues and how can we solve these, you know, challenges. And so, um, and, and also, you know, law and human rights. What are the challenges with, with human rights and law right now? And, um, and we had a really diverse uh, group of people coming together, uh, re you know, representatives from grassroots organizations, um, doctors who'd been speaking out, but not being heard, who'd been treating patients, and so on. So, um, and, and it was a solutions-focused thing. So each panel, you know, the people were tasked with coming with solutions. You couldn't just come and present something, you know, bleak. We all sort of knew that we knew the bleak stuff. We just didn't have the solutions. And so um, after the, it was a three-day conference, it was so uplifting, so connecting. Uh, everybody who attended just felt um, really restored and rejuvenated. And when we distilled the, the essence of the conference down, um, what had come out of it was actually um, this document, which is it's the Better Way Charter. We'd, we'd, we'd endeavoured to sort of take notes and we were going to prepare a big document on the output of the conference. And we ended up just sharing this. Well, we shared the whole the document, but that was basically it. Uh, and it basically is a charter that of, of universal principles, how to get along in the world and how we all work together when we've been so polarized and we've forgotten. We've forgotten how to get along. We've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten we're part of nature and, uh, and that we thrive together. So, and that we need to act in honor. So <laughs> basically, um, but also it, it, it does very firmly state that we don't tolerate the violation of inalienable rights and freedoms, and we don't tolerate profit, power, and influence coming before people and the planet. And also, you know, and just to say that, you know, we, we use technology with discernment, uh, and then it must, must benefit people and the planet. So that was the output of last year's conference. And this year, um, we are moving on from that. Uh, this year we have really, uh, the title of the conference is Unveiling a Better Way for Health, Freedom and Sovereignty. And I think many people think, well, World Health, or, uh, the World Council for Health is trying to be another World Health Organization. And <laughs> we certainly don't need that, you know. Um, our position is we are a grassroots organization. We don't Im impose anything. Everything we have is is information and evidence and um, actions coming from the grassroots and we stand for health, freedom and sovereignty because you cannot dissociate health from freedom and sovereignty. So, um, so yes, <laughs> where was I? I'm just rambling on. Aren't I? Didn't interrupt me at any <laughs> That's time. <laughs> a, that is a good start to this conversation. So, Let's let's flesh that out a little bit. As you say, there was the conference last year, 2022, and you came up with the Better Way Charter. But uh, tell us about some of the speakers there and what what took place there amongst the, the people who actually attended. Yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, the first conversation was just like uh, fireworks. I mean, it, it it was because we didn't, you know, we 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 all for open conversation, sharing ideas, agreeing to disagree. You know, it's not like we're trying to homogenize everything. And the first conversation, we had Del Bigtree as the as the um, MC of the event. And then we had, um, I would say, celebrity podcast hosts like yourself hosting the panels. Uh, and the, the speakers would, they would speak for sort of 10 to 15 minutes each. We were quite strict with time. And then they joined the panel and there was a discussion. So the first panel was on how do we reclaim science? 
We had Brett Weinstein in that panel. We had um, Robert Malone and we had Geert van den Bosch. And, um, you know, they, they, they certainly um, Geert and Robert have quite fixed views on things. Del Bigtree has, has you know, quite a, a, quite a different perspective to, um, to uh, the scientists and um, and it was really wonderful. It ended up being about three hours or more um, because there was just so much um, uh, discussion and tension at times. And and um, but but it was really fabulous. And it was great afterwards just to see everyone shaking hands and patting each other on the back and saying, "Well, you know, that was really great and interesting, uh, and uh, and all still friends," you know. Um, and I think it was a great example of how we move forward in these in the open spaces and open discussion. Um, we also had, um, I mean, there were just wonderful moments, you know, um, Dan Aston Gregory, I don't know if you know him, but he is a podcast host and, and uh, uh, I mean, he has, he has other life before being a podcast host. You know, he's got Elevate Network in the UK. Um, I think many people had, um, had uh, different lives before covid um, and, uh, you know, he, you know, he was on one of the last panels where we were talking, uh, you know, about, um, uh, you know, an integrative health approach, new approaches to, to health. And, and he was just saying how wonderful it was being all together and how, um, and he actually ended up getting everyone dancing, you know, in the last, in the last, um, the last panel, cause he was just saying he'd always been, a, he'd, he'd always been afraid to speak up and, uh, and he'd sort of found his courage there. And it was wonderful that he'd actually managed to share that. Uh, and he, he said, now that I've, I've, I've found my courage, I'm not putting it back again or something like that. I suppose uh, that must've been part of the context of that conference, because if you can cast your mind back to those bygone days of 2022, we were still largely uh, ensconced in the, the scandemic narrative and even international travel was still a big deal at that time. So I, I assume that was part of the, uh, the, the act of coming together was itself somewhat transgressive. Yeah, it was it was very transgressive because um, you know we were we were labelled as anti-vaxxers, and um, and in, our first venue was actually cancelled. It was pulled two weeks before we were scheduled, uh, and we had to scramble around finding another venue with speakers coming from all over the world and people coming. Um, so so there was that. Plus, um, you know, there was still. Um, you know, masking and all sorts of stuff going on and, and the, the fear. And uh, a lot of people were afraid from a security point of view of going anywhere too, because they were afraid of being targets. So uh, it was brave of everybody. And it it was just, it went off just like a dream. It was so, it was so, um, it was so wonderful. And once there, nobody was, was worried at all. There was such a great vibe. There was no, no concern or fear. And uh, so, yeah, it was. Let's let's talk about the conversations that are planned for this year's event then, because there is quite a range of interesting topics here that I think, again, for people who are watching Solutions Watch, I think they will be interested in most of these conversations. Uh, conversation one, from big pharma to real health. Conversation two, from fake foods to food as medicine. Conversation three, from AI and transhumanism to being human. Uh, conversation four from electrosmog to nature's frequencies. Conversation five from climate change to nature nurture. Conversation six from thought control to free thought. Conversation seven from one health 
to Our Health, and Conversation 8 from Scarcity to Abundance. Very interesting. How did you come up with that list of topics? Well, I'm sure all of your um, subscribers and viewers are aware then that, you know, what we're up against. And I would say for the first conference, we'd only had an inkling. We, we did have, we were pushing back against the WHO. We had our Stop the WHO campaign. We had a panel discussing the WHO, um, the World Health Organization. But uh, it's really only since then that the full, uh, you know, with these uh, amendments to the international health regulations, these increases, increasing sort of framework of, um, of uh, control, the legal, the legal framework of control that's being um, negotiated or not even discussed uh, around the world at the moment. So uh, we've we've learned a lot and we've realized that, um, as I said, you can't dissociate health from freedom and sovereignty and that there are many different ways um, that we as human beings are being assa assaulted at the moment, um, you know, uh, be it by and, and attempted to be controlled and enslaved. So be it by you know the 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 threat imminent threat and and perhaps already um already part and parcel of our existence the transhumanism and this push for push for ai um in, environmentally we've got 5g and electrosmog um being rolled out uh, all over the place um with uh, and also the, the, we have a speaker on chemtrails we have a speaker speaking about the chlorine oxide how to clean up these chlorine uh, i mean not not chlorine oxide, uh, chlor uh, vinyl chloride, vinyl chloride spills. So, um, you know, and that's also, there have been all those toxic spills and there's been no one talking about these things. So, you know, speaking about climate change and how um, how it's part of the uh, the agenda it's being used to, um, to uh, keep us, you know, uh, locked up in our homes and so on. So, um, and the expanding, expanding power, uh, a scope of the WHO, and its and its controllers um, to you know to to be uh, this to have this one health approach where you know animals and the environment and everything has to be um, controlled and, and and controlled centrally and and that we are a threat to to um, to you know other species on the planet. So there's so much to talk about. Uh, and um, and it's in many ways you could have well you can have a conference on any one of those topics, but we we are running it like last year where we we ask we give speakers ten minutes um, to share their unique expert perspective and then they join the panel of seven peers and uh, and they thrash it out you know um, and uh, and then there's a host who will bring the best out of them and ask um, probing questions so that people can really see the range of perspectives and how, um, and, you know, it's unlikely that any one person is 100% correct on any one thing at the moment. So it really requires, you know, discernment, using your intuition and navigating um, the way through these different, um, these different discussions and, and reaching your own conclusions. This is the the thing that really excites me about this conference is that there is not the uniformity of expression that is going to be demanded or expected of everyone. No, in fact, the disagreement is actually part of, in a sense, part of the solution. Because yes, certainly we are disunited. We are pulled apart in so many different ways. But if we cannot come together to even talk about our differences, if we can't even model that, then 
how on earth are we going to progress forward? And these are some incredibly, I mean, let's not, let's not be naive about it. These are some incredibly difficult problems that we are facing. And uh, there is no, as you say, there's, there's no money for organizations like the World Council for Health from Big Pharma or <laughs> organizations like that. There, this isn't, uh, I, the, the people's agenda is not going to be as well funded and subsidized and helped along as the opposite side of that. So I think there's a lot of things that need to be, um, to be hashed out in a serious and thoroughgoing manner. So I'm excited to be t- taking part not only as a speaker, but also as a, as a moderator on some of these conversations. And uh, f- from my perspective, I like the idea of framing each conversation explicitly around that idea of, of going towards the solution from climate change to nature nurture, from thought control to free thought, because that, I think, puts the emphasis in the right place, that we are heading, we should be keeping our mind on what where we are going rather than where we've been. I don't know if I have a question in any of that, but I, I think well, those are important things to bring up. It's interesting out. because we did, we, we did think and frame it quite carefully because originally we had, uh, for example, we had, uh, you know, um, a, a free thought, uh, I mean, what, what am I saying? A thought control to, uh, versus free, free thought. So we had versus. And then we thought, well, we don't just want to put these things against each other and say, well, it's this or that. We wanted to show, actually, this is where we are, and it's a transition from there to the better world that we're trying to create or we are creating. And um, and the other thing that you you mentioned was, um, you know, how how um, there, whilst there's there's um, there are all these central themes and they need to be discussed because in any one thing, you know, you can see even the way. The WHO is framing things, or the you know these globalists are framing things. We need they'll say we need to work together for the greater good or whatever. Um, well, in many ways, the better way is also working together for a higher good, but but not selling your soul and being stuck in a cage for it. So there's there's sort of parallels uh, in the narrative, um, and uh, but but there's sort of a split. There's the dystopian split. Uh, there's the dystopian way and there's the better way, you know, and and it's a better way. It's not the better way because there's not going to be one, you know, you know, one way yeah. out of this. But if we all just work, you know, in that uh, in, with with the um, the mindset and the heart space to to an, an intention to um, create something better than what we've got that's better for the environment and our children. Exactly. Well, to, to my mind, that uh, speaks to the centralization of power and control, which authority figures always want to uh, to expand as much as possible, to consolidate as much control as possible. Whereas I think the real resilience comes from decentralized networks of people from the gra- grassroots up. That is where I think real sus- sustainable in the real sense, not in the co-opted United Nations agenda sense, but the real sustainability of, of systems that can actually support human life and flourishing, which presumably, presumably should be the goal. Anyway, <laughs> at any rate, I think that is, again, that is the right way to, to frame this emphasis. I guess we could talk a lot about what is going to be talked about, but that seems like it might be um, I, I, people get the idea by now. And if not, of course, they can go to betterwayconference.org. Let's talk about some of the technical details of how this conference will unfold, how people can attend. Because unfortunately, I, for the purposes of this conversation, most of my audience probably is not in England or will not be able to make it there for this conference. Is there a way for them to participate virtually? 
Yes, there is. Now, in actual fact, there were a lot of people that came from all over the world last time. So don't be put off. It's not, it's very central. It's easy to get to Bath and Bath's a very easy city. It's, you know, small and very picturesque. Um, so it's easy to, um, to, to be here. There are advantages to coming in person because there are workshops that won't be live streamed. So the whole conference is live streamed. Uh, but uh, and uh, and you can get a ticket for not very much for the whole weekend and take part in all the conversations. And if you own a pub or whatever, you can buy a ticket for your entire pub and have all your neighbourhood around. Uh, we we would be delighted if you did if you did do that. Um, but uh, the advantages of coming in person is that we have some workshops uh, during the day, um, both uh, in all three days, and they range from um, you know self help for for uh, vaccine injury, and we have one of those on each day um, with um, Pierre Corey, Dr. Pierre Corey and Dr. Sarah Myhill on the one day and uh, Dr. Paul Marek and uh, Dr. Tina Pierce on the other or, or the other way around anyway. Um, so real expert advice and small groups, um, but also we have like a singing workshop, um, singing therapy, we have some Qigong, we have um, digital sovereignty, how to get yourself digitally sovereign, uh, how to, um, you know, develop a sovereign mind and those sorts of things. So there's always these really uh, wonderful things you can participate in if you're actually there. Uh, but having said that, um, you know, we are hoping that many thousands will attend online and really get, get the spirit of things. Um, just um, from, uh, from a, a creative point of view, it's if I could just say it's not – it's not dry and boring. It's a totally different, as I would say, concept for a conference. And maybe next year we should call it a festival rather. But um, we have a lot of um, creative contributions and uh, including an epic song uh, that we're going to release, I think, maybe in the next two weeks or so, um, which will, I think, um, inspire even the, the, the stoniest of hearts at this stage. <laughs> well, I'm very interested to hear about that and to hear that, so I will be looking forward to that. All right, I think we will be directing people to betterwayconference.org so they can fill in the blanks on the details of last year's conference and get prepared for this year's conference. But is there anything else that you'd like to let people know before we go? There is actually, and it's our World Council for Health policy brief on rejecting monop monopoly power over global public health. This is something you can find on our website if you go to worldcouncilforhealth.org about us. There's policy there. Um, so this is the, the, it's our very first policy brief. We have two more on the way, um, but this one is highly important and I urge you to, uh, your, your viewers to download it. It's 45 uh, page analysis of the um, uh, monopoly power of the pandemic treaty, as well as the amendments to the IHR, and it's put together by political scientists and legal uh, experts. Um, it's it's really well, um, it's well uh, presented, shall I say, because these documents are very tricky. Um, they actually, they sort of, they, um, you know, there's, there's a strain of, uh, of, for example, there are a number of articles that relate to sovereignty. Um, so if you say, well, we must reject what, that one over there, number number one, well, there are others that sort of hook you back in. So they, it's it's sort of um, these changes are, are, are far-reaching and they're ubiquitous throughout these documents. So it really needed a, 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 a good look sort of uh, um, 
and and a, a sort of integration of the the meaning uh, of them. And so I, I recommend that people look at that document if they want to really understand what's going on, uh, and also print out the amendment uh, document from the WHO website from November, so that you can see. Um, you know, it's, um, and your viewers probably know this, but a really good way of just describing to people what it is, it's like having a rental agreement with your la with a landlord, for example, and then he comes with a new agreement and the whole thing is, is, uh, is stricken out and there's a whole lot of new text and pages. It's literally like that and, and, and countries don't actually, uh, governments don't have to sign this, the public's not being invited to participate and they have far-reaching effects. So, um, so please do, if you want to just get a really a really sensible, easy to digest overview of the implications of this document so that you can speak uh, with these documents, you can speak uh, with others about it, please do have a look and download our policy brief. Excellent. I will be uh, linking that in the show notes so people can go and get it. And obviously, I think, again, my audience will probably be primed for that with my regular monthly conversations with Meryl Nass looking at that particular issue and trying to dissect it. So that policy brief sounds like it will come in very handy for that. Um, but on that note, I think we will leave it there. Uh, Dr. Tesslory, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you very much, James. I look forward to meeting you in person soon. Likewise.